0: The greatest moment when you are on an airplane is when you have been sitting in the aisle or at the window and they finally close the cabin doors and the middle seat next to you is still open. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's the best feeling in the world, right? You don't have to deal with somebody next to you. The worst moment in the world is just that where you're sitting in an aisle and and the people are walking on and you can see it's feeling up and you're like, please don't sit next to me. Please don't sit next to me. I don't know if anyone's ever had that feeling, but uh, that's true. Do you know the unwritten rules of the airplane? Do you know this? If you sit near the window, you are entitled to a wall you can lean up against and you get one armrest. Do you know what I mean? And if you're on the aisle, you get one armrest and some extra leg room out in the aisle, right? But if you're in the center seat, you are entitled to, by law, and all that God would give you, both armrests. You are allowed to have both armrests. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever done this where you're fighting people for the armrest in the middle seat? That's exactly the way that that works. You are entitled to the middle seat armrest. I want to tell you a story about two flights and the middle seat on two flights of an airline. This is a few years ago. My wife and I were uh, headed to a church planting conference in Seattle, Washington. This was when we had just started this new church back up in Elk Grove, and uh, we were flying up there. And I need to tell you before we begin, my wife does not like to fly. Not at all. She's terrified to fly. And so we got on, in fact, early on when we were first married, we got onto a flight that was completely full. There was only two seats left for her and I as we were standing at the front. There was one in the very front part of the plane and a seat in the very back part of the plane and Nicole says to the flight attendant she says oh if there's anything you could do so I could sit next to my husband I'm terrified to fly." and this flight attendant got on the comm and she said hey we've got a couple here and she's really afraid to fly would anybody be willing to give up a seat so they could sit together nothing (laughs) jerks and so, uh, and so my wife, in a moment of sheer brilliance, sat down next to the guy that was in the front of the plane, and she just looked at him and dead eye, like locked eyes with him, and she said, I just need you to know I'm terrified to fly. And when we take off and when we land, I'm going to dig my fingernails into your arm so deep it will probably bleed. Now, here's the question. You want that to be you or you want that to be my husband? He moved. He moved. He moved. And we sat together. And so on that flight, as we were going to this conference, uh, I, I sat down in the middle. I was in the middle seat. Nicole got the aisle. And so I was sitting in this middle seat, and I ended up sitting next to this guy. And as I was sitting next to this guy, I opened up my book. He was flying home from a business trip, and I had a book that was called Starting a New Church. I was a church pastor, planter, and so it, Was the book I was reading, Starting a New Church. And this prompted a little bit of a conversation about spiritual things, but honestly, he didn't want anything to do with a spiritual conversation. He didn't want to talk about that. So I let this guy off the hook and I began to talk about him. And I asked about his job and I asked about his business trip. I asked the industry he was in. We talked about his computer, his where he lived, his hobbies. We talked about him the whole time. We talked about Washington, where we were going. He talked about the place in Washington where Nicole and I were going and just the climate and stuff we could find there. And, uh, and, and I remember midway through this conversation thinking to myself, this guy is an eternal being. He will live forever, and if he doesn't know Jesus, he will go into an eternity without God. And I thought, I should share Jesus with him. But then I also thought, how in the world am I going to do that in the 32 minutes that are left on this flight? And so I let the opportunity slip away. This morning, we are going to talk about made for this. The made for this is the topic that we have been, if you've got your outline notes, pull them up and grab them and stay with me this morning. Uh, right now, we are talking, got uh, uh, Glenn has been saying, very apropos, you were made by God and for God to glorify God. Made by God and for God to glorify God. And this morning we're talking about you were made to make Christ known. We were made to make Jesus known. In John chapter 20, it says this, verse 21. Again he said, peace be with you, as the Father has what? Sent me, so I am... So I'm sending you. Sending who? Sending me? Sending you? Sending us? Where are you, where are you sending us? To do what? What is this mission that you have for us, Jesus? Listen to the Apostle Paul as he answers this question for himself in Acts chapter 20. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by who? The Lord Jesus himself. The work of what? Telling others, what are we telling them? The good news about the wonderful grace of God. You were made to share the good news. Now, there's a word for this that we use. It's called evangelism. And I don't know why, but that word strikes fear into the hearts of both believers and unbelievers at the same time. Nobody likes that word because it's, it's a scary word. Um, and that's true. I think mostly because when we think evangelist, we think of some guy on TV with big bad hair who's asking for donations all the time. That's not an evangelist. The word evangelist uh, comes from a Greek word, and really the meaning of that word is just good news. That's all it means. I'm here to give you good news. And once you know that God loves you and Jesus died for you, that's good news. And we're supposed to share it with other people and tell other people. So the next question is, where am I supposed to share it with those people? Acts 1-8 is sort of our anchor verse today, so I want you to take a look at that. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my, what? Witnesses telling people about me where? Everywhere. Now, get this. In where? Jerusalem. Throughout where? In where else? And where? To the ends of the very earth. Now, when Jesus said this, when he was actually saying these words, he was in Jerusalem at the time. He's saying, you need to start right here, right around you. The people that are literally standing next to you in your own city, in your own community. In Jerusalem, when you think of Jerusalem, for us, we would think of this is Lodi, Lockford, Galt, North Stockton Like wherever you live That's your Jerusalem We would start in Jerusalem But then he says in Judea and Samaria And that's like the country next door Geographically It's close but it's different Racially and even culturally So Judea and Samaria would be People near us but that are different than us Think South Sacramento They're a little different than we are Uh, The Bay Area They're really different than we are uh reno tahoe los angeles anything like that someplace that's nearby and we kind of understand them but they're just a little different than us and then he says to the very ends of the earth and that's pretty self-explanatory we're supposed to take this message to every corner of the globe the ends of the earth includes mexico canada argentina lithuania thailand iceland greenland wherever you can imagine where there are people that need jesus we're supposed to take that message to the ends of the world so god has chosen us for that mission he chose you he chose you he chose you he should have done a better background check on you but he chose you too Like he's chosen us. We are the plan to spread the good news. And so that's our job. That's what we were made for. So this mission that we were made for is this. Ready? It's to share the good news with those in your world. That's the fill in the blank. Share the good news with those in your world. There's a story in the Bible. There's this guy. And Jesus had healed this man. And after Jesus healed him, he wanted to travel with Jesus and his disciples. I'm joining up. I'm going along with you. I want to be a part of your posse. Listen to Jesus' response to him. He says this in Luke chapter 8. No, go back to who? Go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through what? The town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. I want you to circle in your notes there. Go back to your family. Go back to your family. You know where your mission starts? It starts with your family. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. There is somebody in your family who needs Jesus right now. It may be a child. It may be an aunt or an uncle. It could be a cousin. It could be somebody that you know you're going to spend a holiday with, and they are lost and need Jesus in their life. They need the good news. Go back to your family first. Then circle in your notes all through the town. All through the town. The very first place God is calling us to share the good news is in our neighborhood, in our town. We start right here. Uh, We talked about this last week when Glenn was talking about loving your neighbor. God planted you in your house, on your street, in Lodi at this time for a very specific reason. He's got people for you to reach. On your street, in your school, at your workplace, wherever you're at. He's got people for you to reach there right here. And so he wants to do that. Now... You need to start with the people that you come in contact with every day. There, there's a church in Elk Grove where I served for so many years that had a sign in its parking lot. And this sign was facing out as you left the parking lot. So every day as you drove out of the church parking lot, you saw this sign that said, You are now entering the mission field. That is so true. Every time you drive out of First Baptist parking lot and you decide to hang a left or a right, you're entering the mission field. There are people in our community that don't know God, that need the good news, that are living without hope. And we have hope. And we need to give that hope away. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it says this. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone, what? asks about your hope as a believer we're always ready to explain it are you ready to explain your hope are you ready to explain this good news I know that's overwhelming for some people to share that let me give you just a simple thing this morning you got to share the story tell the story and when I say that I mean you got to tell people what you know what do you know what has God done for you What do you already know how God has touched your life? How can you share that to someone? Well, I want to give you a little strategy here for sharing your faith. It's based on relational evangelism. It's the kind that makes the most sense to me. And I just want to explain it to you so that you can maybe have this as a tool. It's a relational approach to evangelism. And it's called three-story evangelism. I'm going to tell you what these three stories are. But I thought I would start with a guy I like to call lawn chair boy. Check this out.
1: Trust me when I say this, you need Jesus. I know this because you, my friend, are a sinner. And I know that because everyone is a sinner. Oh, sure, I've sinned more than my fair share. But enough about me, let's talk about you, your need for Christ. So, what do you think? Is that going to fly with your friends? Because my friends don't want to hear that. Turns out my friends don't really care what I think about God. They have their own opinions about God. So why would my ideas be any better than theirs? Unless I give them a real reason to believe. It's really not as hard as it sounds. I do it by unfolding my story. This is who I am. These are my hopes and my dreams. Here are my weaknesses and my failures and my struggles. This is the road I'm on. Here's where I started. There's a mountain I climbed, a river I crossed. There is a tunnel I had to dig and an entire field that I cleared and planted and harvested. This is where I am today, and here is where I keep getting stuck. And way over there is where I'm going, one step at a time. When I'm real about all that, and you understand that God shows up in every part of my story, when I'm real about that, my friends become very interested in what I know about God. They see themselves in me. They connect their story with my story. And everywhere we connect, sooner or later, there's a connecting point with God's story. It's a beautiful thing.
0: Thanks, Lawn Chair Boy. Let's take a look at this. I want you to understand how this works, this three-story evangelism. Because there's some people who think this is how you share the gospel. This is how you tell people the good news. You basically go up to them on the street. You tell them three you hand them a track give them three spiritual four spiritual laws you get them to pray a prayer and then we move on to the next person I'm advocating for something different than that it's called three-story evangelism the first part is your story your story is your story every part of your story where you grew up what you do for work your interests your hobbies your likes your dislikes your stories your backstory all those stories that make up you that's your story And then we see when someone else comes into your life, you see their story. Now their story and your story overlap in some places. Maybe you work together. Maybe you went to the same high school. Maybe you, uh, you just have some part of your life that is overlapping into their life. And that's where your story and their story come together. And then there's God's story. And God's story is a part of your life. And you can see the area where God's story is a part of your story. And, and in their story, this, this illustration breaks down a little bit, but their story, God's story has been a part of their story, whether they want to acknowledge it or not. God has been a part of their life, has been chasing them, has been moving in their life, whether they like it or not. But that sweet spot in the very middle is where you have an opportunity to share with them the good news about who Jesus is. But if you don't ever do the story... You're never going to get there. Listen to First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. It says this. It says, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's what? Not only God's good news, but our what? Our own lives too. Our own lives too. We share our lives with people. So here's the first part of three-story evangelism. Ready? It's this. Discover their story. You need to discover their story in order to do this. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. This is a little weird, a little outside the box, but we'll do it. Turn to the person next to you, someone hopefully you didn't come with. If you need to move around a little bit, go ahead. Find somebody that you don't know that well and talk about this with them. Who is their best friend? How did you meet your best friend? Why are you best friends? What do you love about your best friend? Go ahead, right now, find somebody and talk to them about their best friend. Find somebody you didn't come with. I'll wait. Okay, so in just a couple of those minutes, you have begun to unpack their story. You've learned something new about someone. You're learning their story. Let me ask you a question. How do you become friends with anybody? How do you become friends with anybody? You meet somebody, you like them, and then you begin to share stories. That's what you do. That's what friendship is. You learn their stories. You start to know all their stories. You've heard all their stories. How many people know this? Have you ever been out with your spouse or someone that you know very well, and you're meeting someone new, and then your spouse starts in on a story that you know? You're like, I know this story. I know this story. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, oh, this is the story where uh, where she locks her knee into the boat, and then her kneecap comes off, and she screams bloody murder, and then she swears and waits. I had never heard her swear before and I'm like well I know this story this is a great story it's an awesome story Uh, at the end of the day that's what we do we share stories we move them back and forth and everybody has a story you've got a story I've got a story right you learn more and more when you learn more and more of my story we get closer and when I discover more and more of your story you we get closer here's the point you got to talk to people Talk to them about everything. You could talk to them about entertainment, talk to them about sports, family, talk to them about politics. You know what? Don't talk to them about politics anymore. But but you talk to them about all kinds of things: work, family, you name it. Don't ask yes or no questions. Ask questions that are open ended. Give them a chance to tell about themselves. When you say, "Tell me about your best friend," you start to tell about you and the relationship that you have with that person, and let them tell their story. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. People love to tell their own story. They like to talk about who they are and and be known. And so that's the first part, discover their story. But then you have to share your story. You need to share your story. Ready? Here's what we're going to do. Turn around to somebody, maybe somebody different, maybe the same person, and I want you to tell them about your first job. How'd you get your first job? What was your first job? What was it like working at your first job? Did you like your first job? How long did you work there? Go, tell them, talk about it. All right, all right, this idea of three-story evangelism is that you would naturally tell your story and naturally learn their story, right? It's, it's, a, it's a really simple concept. You grow closer and closer as you share those stories, right? And then you're going to get a chance to share how God has been a part of your story, and you can invite your friend to understand that relationship in God's story. See, God's story has always been a part of their story, whether they know it or not. But you need to know their story first. Let me give you an example. Just out of high school, I was a waiter at a little restaurant called Baker's Square. Anybody else been to Baker's Square, a little pie shop place? I was a waiter there at Baker's Square for several years coming out of high school. And uh, every Sunday night, there was a back room at Baker's Square where... Uh, an entire group would come and fill up that back room. Usually 30 to 40 people. They were from a singles group at a local church in the area where the restaurant was. And they would come in there and they would stay and talk to each other for several hours. They'd get coffee and pie and they would hop from table to table and they'd be having conversations. And every Sunday night, nobody wanted that back room. Every Sunday night, I had to take the back room and I would serve these people. And after serving them for a couple of hours they would all get up and trickle out and I knew exactly what was coming next I knew exactly what would happen as I go around and I would clear their tables and I would take off their coffee cups and their pie plates at every table I would find a couple of quarters and an evangelistic track (laughs) no people you should be outraged right now I was, it was the worst thing ever. Every Sunday night, I'd end up with quarters in my pocket and an evangelistic track. Here's the worst part about that. Are you ready? It's because I was already a believer. I had been, I'd grown up in church. I was actively involved in my church. I was a student leader at Youth for Christ while I was growing up, and they left a couple of quarters and a track. By the way, if you're going to leave a tip with a track, do, do me a favor. Leave a huge tip. Leave a $100 bill and a track. I guarantee you they're waiting the track when they get a $100 bill, okay? But they would leave me this cruddy tip and, and, and a track, and they didn't know. Here's the thing. Nobody ever took the time to find out anything about me. They didn't know that I was a believer. They never took the time to find out. They didn't care enough to even ask me. You can't jump right into telling God's story without finding out their story you got to share your own story first so that you create that relationship. I'm sure you've heard the old adage, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's so true. It's really, really true. And get this, you got to be real. you got to be the real you. Listen, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And at some point in any relationship, it leaks out that you're not perfect. Do you know that? At the beginning, we hide it real good, especially in boy-girl relationships. We call that dating, okay? We hide it as long as we can, and then eventually you wake up on one of your dates, and you're like, oh, you're kind of a jerk. And then you're like, well, you're no peach either, hun. You know, you, you, we, you hide it, but eventually you got to be real, because at the end of the day, if you're not real, the relationship itself isn't real. If you aren't the real you, it's not a real relationship. You do not need to be perfect to introduce people to Jesus. But you do need to be real. And then eventually, and this is the one that freaks people out sometimes, is you have to tell the story. You have to be able to tell the story. You have to be able to tell the story of what God has done and and tell it as you know it and tell it simply. And if you can't remember the verse, just go, I know somewhere in the Bible it says, and I don't know how you tell the story about God. But I always tell the story like this. It starts with, you know, the Bible says in the beginning. But I think all of us inherently know there was something before in the beginning. Like, like what happened in the beginning? Like, there's this story that's going on in the world. There's my story and your story. But the story of the world God something had to create the world and, and God created the world, he existed before the world. We sort of instinctually know that the world existed before us. My story started in 1969. It's probably gonna end, and the world was going before me, and it'll probably keep going after me. Well, God has been there since before me and and before our parents and before time itself, and we see it all around us. For me, Romans Chapter 1, verse 20 talks about since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and His divine nature have been clearly seen. And what that means is when you go to Yosemite and you see a waterfall and you see a majestic mountain and you see a a volcano, you don't look around and go, wow, that was lucky. Like something had to create all that. And so for me, I'm like, you just can't deny it. Something created all that. There's a bigger story going on. And before you even came into this bigger story, God was there, and he, he, he made you. He wants a relationship with you. Now you're in the story, and he still wants you in the story, and he wants you more than ever. Romans 5.8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. God didn't need you to be perfect. He wanted you when the story began, and he wants you. And he sent his son thousands of years ago before you were even born To bring you into his story. He wants you a part of his story. In Romans 3.23 we see for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we know that this is a messed up story. You're messed up. I'm messed up. It's filled with imperfect people. Right? But people that fall short of God's glory. But at the end of the day everyone falls into that category. You, me, the guy over there. And then John 3, 16 through 17, and I love this verse. I can't love it anymore. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And too many people stop right there at 16, and let me tell you, you need 17. 17 says God did not send his, uh, his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. God's story is he's sending Jesus to save you. He's not condemning. He's not, God's not a God with a black robe with a gavel on a bench saying, you knew the rules, you broke the rules, you're going to hell. He, he did that to save you. He, he, that's his intention behind it all. And so we see all of that. And, it, and you just got to tell the story the way you would tell the story. Listen to lawn chair boy. He'll bring it home.
1: Okay, here's the schedule. From 9.05 to 9.25, I'll uncover my story. I'll take questions at the end. Uh, From 9.25 to 9.40, I'll discover your story. Uh, Just keep it to the high points if you could, because my concentration is eh, not so good. Uh, From 9.40 to 10 o'clock, I'll unfold God's story. Watch how I weave in bits of your story. It's really quite something. That means by 10 o'clock, we should be wrapping things up, and you can make your decision. Sound okay? No? I didn't think so. It's not three steps, it's three stories. And really, it's three collections of stories. Our stories weave together into a conversation that takes, well, as long as it takes. A day, a month, a week, a year, I don't know. What's your hurry? If I turn that into a performance, I become a character, and I can't be myself. Equally bad, I turn my friend into a character. It becomes, uh, my story, starring me as the Christian featuring you as the non-Christian. Jesus didn't die for any characters. I'm not trying to act like a Christian. I'm trying to be my friend's true friend, whatever it takes for as long as God gives us.
0: So We're here to share our story, but in a way that is relational and isn't on a time, and it's not a step-by-step process. It could take a long time, but God has us in this opportunity to share our story with other people. Now, I want to go back to something that we were talking about in Acts one eight, because where are you going to share that story? I want you to dare to reach beyond your world. Dare to reach beyond your world. In 1 Corinthians 9, it says this. It says, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find what? Common ground with who? Everyone. Doing everything I can to save some. In other words, I don't just hang out with people that are like me. I don't. Christians are called to build relationships with those that are in various parts of your life and to reach out to people. God expects us to make the first move with some outside people not like us. It is so easy to just get comfortable with the people that are in your circle of people. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, but Steve, I don't like new people. I just don't like them. Well, I would say you you gotta try them out anyway. You may not know, maybe you do like them. Try something different, play pickleball, right? Uh, Take a class, do a yoga class, or go golfing with some people that you don't know. Join a quilting circle or, or a car club or something. Take out, here's the thing, when you go to Starbucks, the next time you go to Starbucks and you sit down, take out the earbuds and talk to the people that are next to you. You'll find they're nice people. They're lovely people. They drink the same coffee as you. Just enjoy getting to know some new people and sharing their story. You don't even have to have an agenda for it. Just get to know those people because God loves those people so much that he sent you into their world. He wants you to get to know them and to share your story and, and learn their story. And he's waiting for you to meet them. You know, 2 Peter 3.9 says it this way. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being what? Patient for your sake. He does not want, a, who? Anyone to be destroyed. But he wants Who? everyone to repent God is literally waiting for us to meet these people and share our stories and begin to unfold his story and then last I want you to get this at Acts 1 8 don't forget about the whole world don't forget about the whole world in Mark chapter 16 verse 15 it says this and he told them go into where oh say it like you mean it people go into where All the world and preach the good news to who? Everyone. Now, is Jesus talking to pastors here? Is he talking to missionaries? No, he's talking to all of us. He's talking to believers. Any follower of Christ, Jesus said, I will follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. If you're not fishing, you're not following. And so you've got to do that. And that used to be, can I tell you, going into all the world used to be super hard. It used to be very difficult. It required great sacrifice. Do you want to know that before this sermon is over, before the last song is done, if I wanted to, I could pull out my phone and book a flight to almost anywhere in the world. I could have it done in just a minute. And God is calling us to go all over the world. one of the things that I have, have, I don't like COVID at all, but One of the things that has been really a loss during COVID is this ability to travel and to go to places. I need to go on a short-term mission trip about every two years because I need to reset my clock. If not, I start to think that America is the way the rest of the world lives, and they don't live the way we live. Well, I need to go there so I can reset my heart onto what's important, and what is important is not the latest iPhone. I need to go there and understand what God is doing amongst those people. And so I love the opportunity to go on short-term mission trips. And one of the things that I am most excited about coming out of COVID is sending teams back out to the mission field. We need to send our high schoolers down to Mexico. We have uh, our young adult group, the Unite group, sends uh, people to Mexico every year to build houses right at Christmas time. And this year, actually, uh, Sean is taking a group that is going to go in the summer. It's open to anyone. You too can be a young adult again, if you want to. You can show up and go down there and do that. I am already on the list for an organization that I loved with all my heart called Living Water International. And we would go to third world countries, dig wells in Jesus name and bring clean water to countries that didn't have access to clean water. I took both of my I took two of my daughters during their high school years, yanked them out of high school for a week and we went down to Honduras and Guatemala and drilled wells down in Central America. And we did these trips all the time. And God is probably calling you and us as a church to to go into the world and to make a difference. And you can't have a heart for the world until you go. you got to go and see those things. And we want to send groups all over the place. Uh, we want to send a group down to work with Juan in San Nicolas, Mexico. We've got all these opportunities to travel. And my dream is that someday, when you plan your vacation, you'll plan it around the opportunity to go to someplace in the world and make a difference. And tell them the good news. Travel to spread the gospel. Listen to Psalm 67.2. It says this. May your ways be known where? Throughout the earth. May your saving power among people where? Everywhere. Which leads me to? So what, Steve? What do we do about that? Well, here's my only so what for you. You gotta talk about Jesus. You gotta talk about Jesus. Here's the thing. The person of Jesus Christ. People have really strong opinions about religion. People have super strong opinions about the church and even Christians. But can I tell you something? Most people still love Jesus. They like Jesus as a person. Jesus as a person, his teachings were revolutionary. Jesus as a person was kind and compassionate to the outcast and to the sinner and to the lost person. There's something about Jesus. There's something about the name of Jesus. You have to bring up the name of Jesus. This last week, um, I went to a funeral for the fallen firefighter captain in Stockton Fire, Max Fortuna. Uh, I, got, I had the honor of sitting at that funeral as a fire chaplain along with fired personnel from all over the state. And there were agencies represented all over the state. First responders and firefighters and, and all kinds were sitting there and they were listening. And our own Ken Johnson uh, was asked to MC the funeral and to deliver the eulogy. And Ken told the story of Max's faith, of his family, and of his fire family and how that mattered to him. And I'm not kidding you. I cannot count They must have said the name. The name of Jesus Christ must have been mentioned a hundred times at this funeral. He had such a strong faith in Jesus. And between Ken's eulogy and the pastor who was praying at the beginning and the end and, and other comments, people knew who he stood for. He stood for Jesus Christ. And there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. If you've ever left a funeral without any hope, and don't get me wrong, these firefighters were mourning and grieving, and we were mourning and grieving with them. It was so quiet as this whole thing went on, but there was hope every time the name of Jesus Christ was brought up. You have got to talk about Jesus Christ, because Jesus is the only answer for hopelessness. There's a, there's a last verse there. I'm running a little late. I'm going to read it to you. Romans 7, 21 through 25. It seems this. Tell me if this resonates with you. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another law at work with me, and that is at war with my mind. This law wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? Thank God the answer is in who? Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. There is only one answer for the hopelessness of this world, and that name is Jesus Christ. I told you I wanted to tell you about two plane rides, And the middle seat. The second plane ride was on the way back from this conference. We were getting onto a plane in Seattle, and uh, we boarded the plane, and this time, Nicole got stuck in the middle seat. (laughs) Sucker. And as Nicole was sitting in the middle seat, a woman was on the uh, on the window and, and she barely acknowledged our existence. You know the kind of person you get on a plane, they barely look up like, whatever, you're bothering me. Like the kind of person who pretends to be asleep. She barely acknowledged our existence. And, uh, and on, took, on takeoff, Nicole, of course, dug her fingernails into my arm and then we continued to fly and we settled in for the flight. About halfway from Seattle back to Sacramento, this woman was reading a book called The Call. And Nicole asked her what it was about. And she began to tell of her search for spiritual meaning. And Nicole was talking and, and listened and I was eavesdropping on the whole conversation and this woman was searching for spiritual answers. And Nicole listened patiently as this woman told her of a faith in something. Not, not, she didn't really couldn't identify nothing in particular but she had a faith in something and I remember sitting on the aisle beginning to pray and I prayed that God would give Nicole the words that she needed. And I, I prayed that God would have given her the boldness that her little pastor boy husband didn't have on the flight over. And she's sitting in the same exact middle seat I had been sitting in in the way over. And I prayed that this unknown woman would come face to face with God. After listening patiently, as I had done on the first flight with the guy, uh, my wife did what I should have done, and she said hey i have a book a lot like yours and my wife pulled out of her backpack her purpose driven life book anybody remember the purpose driven life she had a purpose driven life book and she began to tell this woman about god she began to tell her about the bible and about the purposes that god had for her life and Even while we were actively landing, she continued to share the good news without missing a beat. She did, however, dig her fingernails into me again while we were landing, but she continued to share the good news. And I wish I had some miracle ending to that story to tell you I don't. But when we left that plane we were walking towards the baggage area and we were meeting up with a bunch of other church planters who had been on this same retreat with us. And as Nicole walked up to this group of people the lady who was with her walked up with her and she said to Nicole are you a hugger? And Nicole said I sure am. And these two embraced and hugged and she walked away with Nicole's Purpose Driven Life book in her carry on. And here's The point of that. Nicole had been faithful to do what she was made to do. Their stories had intersected just a tiny bit on a plane. Nobody prayed a prayer. And I only hope and pray that that woman is in heaven because of some of the seeds that get planted in her life. But that's between her and God, and God is chasing her. But Nicole was faithful to do the things that we were made to do. We were made to make Christ No. Would you pray with me? Father God, I pray for opportunities where we can share our story, God, where we can discover other people's stories where we can highlight in our story where your story has made such a difference in our lives God give us the opportunity to share that truth with the people that are in our world let us go deeper in those relationships and be real in those relationships God with the only agenda of getting to know them in such a way that you might open the door for us to share our faith in your son Jesus Christ but God when that moment comes may we not shrink away of telling your story may we not shrink away from using the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is full of power. There is no other name like the name of Jesus Christ. God, may we be willing to share that, that their stories would be impacted, God, in a way that changes eternity for them. God, give us opportunities and give us the mindset to be bold and to share our story and communicate your story. In your son Jesus' name, amen.